The defendant's commission of these four murders over a 10-day period is one of the worst killing sprees in the history of this state. Skin them sometimes, uh, slit them, slit them all the way open. Uh. I'm here looking for the spirits of anybody that still remains. I have a device in my hand. If you would like to talk to it, please come forward. Tell me your story. Maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people. Then I would have felt better. Then when I felt like I really offered society something. You are listening to Serial Spirits, the podcast. Tracy, what I tell you about playing the organ while I'm trying to record a commercial? Dang, my bad. Get off my nuts. Hey, Hillbilly Horror Stories fans. I'm Annie Weaves. And I'm Brendan Shea. We are paranormal investigators and hosts of Serial Spirits Podcast. We're excited to be a part of the Hillbilly Horror Story 6th anniversary live show at the Old Hospital on College Hill. We have had the privilege to investigate there, and wow, is this place active. Hey guys, it's Jerry. And Tracy. We are so excited to have Annie and Brendan with us on Saturday, August 20th at the Old Hospital on College Hill in Williamson, West Virginia. You will hear both shows do a live version of our podcast, and then everyone will get a tour of the hospital. Get your tickets today at hillbillyhorrorstories.com. And don't procrastinate, because seating is limited. Hey guys, Annie here. We're rounding out the final weeks of summer now. The last days of bonfires, campouts, late nights with friends. So what says end of summer celebration better than a summer camp? And what says summer camp better than a creepy story? Serial Spirits is inviting our listeners to Serial Spirits Summer Camp. We want everyone to send us their spookiest stories, ghosts in haunted houses, creepy cryptid encounters, UFOs and aliens, even your most terrifying true crime tales. And then, as summer draws to a close, we will share your stories on Serial Spirits. If you have a story you'd like to send to us, You can either record yourself telling your own story and send it to us, or you can type it out for us to read on an upcoming episode. Once you've recorded or written your story, you can send it to us on social media, on Facebook, at Serial Spirits, or to me personally, Annie Weibel. You can also send it to me on Instagram, at Annie underscore Weeps. Or you can send it by old-fashioned email to AnnieWeibel at AOL.com. So, meet me at Camp Crystal Lake and gather around our proverbial campfire and share your stories with Serial Spirits Summer Camp. Now through the beginning of September, so don't wait. Send us your stories today. Hey everyone, welcome back to Serial Spirits. I'm Annie Weebs. Tonight we're sharing the first installment of Serial Spirits Summer Camp listener submissions, kicking it off with two stories from Matt and Kelly. Guys, don't forget, if you have a spooky story that you'd like to share with Serial Spirits, you can send it to me by voice or text through Facebook Messenger, through Instagram Messenger, or by email. 
My contact info is in the show notes and we'll be airing these through the first week of September, so send those over ASAP. For our first story, longtime listener, first time caller Matt shares his family's terrifying tale of a haunted and maybe even cursed house. Please welcome Matt to Serial Spirits. Everybody, my name is Matt Williams, and today I'll be telling a story that happened to myself and my family. Uh, this happened in, I want to say, 1988. Um, it was the summer of '88. It was probably around June or July. I, I was uh, 17 years old when this occurred. Uh, this involves uh, my sister and her roommate at the time, my father and myself. So, my sister lived with her roommate in St. Albans, West Virginia, which is about 45 minutes um, <clears throat> east of Huntington, West Virginia. Uh, so, we, my father and I, we lived in Huntington, West Virginia, in the home that uh, all the children were born and raised in. And we kind of lived outside the city limits in the country. Uh, so, um, it wasn't odd or unusual for my sister to get scared sometimes. She was a notorious reader and read, you know, probably thousands of books in her lifetime. And uh, she would get scared and sometimes, you know, uh, come home late at night, uh, you know, maybe think she heard noises or whatever the case may be. So this particular night, it was about 1 in the morning, maybe 1.15-ish. Our house, you know, it was back in the 80s, so we still had the rotary phones. Very loud when they rang. We got a phone call late at night. And uh, we were told to, you know, my sister, my dad came and woke me and told me that, uh, uh, you know, my sister, her name was Kathy, was very uh, afraid and nervous. And he didn't know what was going on, just things were going on in her home. And he didn't know if someone was trying to break in or what, what was going on. But he told us, you know, let's let's go help her. So, uh, you know, my dad being the person he was, he, you know, we each grabbed a pistol uh and we got in the car and, and went to her home because we just didn't know what we were in for. And we made that drive. Uh, it's about 45-minute drive. We made it in about 30 uh, up 64 from Huntington to St. Albans. And, um, you know, late in the night, we got there probably about 2, 2 a.m. And my sister had told us <laughs> that something was going on. She had a building outside of her home. And she told us that something was kind of... She thought someone broke into the building. This is just a standard little double door building you put out in your backyard to store, you know, your mower. It was probably like six feet wide and ten feet long. I kind of give you guys an idea. Had two double doors. It kind of looked like a barn. It was brown and white. Uh, I remember it because it was metal and it would rust. And uh, I just remember it looking kind of bad out in the yard. But anyway. We had, uh, so my dad and I went out to the building with flashlights, and we opened the doors, and the stuff in the building had been knocked over, uh, cans of paint and, like, some fertilizer, just various things that, you know, potting soil. And there was a bag of potting soil that was over and spilled, and we didn't think much of it. We didn't know if some kids in the neighborhood would run around late um, and maybe just shook the building just to, you know, as a joke, you know, kids in the 80s doing silly stuff um so we locked the building up and she said there was also noises coming from inside her home and they were like big booms you know just just big booms really loud that would kind of shake the house and 
So her and her roommate were, were physically, you could tell they were just kind of shaking, like nervous, like something, you know, had really spooked them in the middle of the night while they were asleep. So we thought, you know, we'll stay up here and see what's going on, see if it's kids, if we can catch kids in the neighborhood doing something. And, you know, my dad had been a police officer for many years, and he thought, you know, we're going to uh, check this out and make sure that no one's trying to break in. So he said, we'll take a shift. So, you know, my sister and her roommate, the gals there, they went to sleep. And he and I sat in the living room and talked for a few minutes. He went to the kitchen. I stayed in the living room. Um, he told me I could lay down and sleep if I wanted to. He was going to take the first shift. And then I could come sit in the kitchen. You know, one of us is going to stay up, you know, in shifts all night long just to make sure, you know, everything was okay. So <clears throat> he, I went and laid down on a couch in my sister's living room. Uh, the house was not big. Two bedroom, one bathroom. Uh, one little hallway that uh, connect, you know, walk out of one bedroom, walk down a little hall, go right into the next bedroom. You could take a left and come into the living room. And then there was a dining area, kind of living room, dining area, and then um, kitchen and little dining area there. And then you went out to a back door there. Uh, um, so I laid down to go to sleep. And I guess we were about, I don't know, maybe like 10 minutes into sleep. And we heard a huge boom. It was a very loud boom. Woke me up. Um, you know, my dad was up immediately. Flashlight out. <clears throat> um turn the lights on in the house and you know the boom occurred again and he went and she had a floor furnace um and i i guess it you know he thought it was making noises kind of booming and you know echoing through the house through the vents and kind of shaking the the vents and you know very easy to explain that you know the gals got up again and we were like okay this is what this is everybody back to bed um we laid back down, and the booms occurred again, only louder. <clears throat> Just really didn't know what was going on, why it kept booming. So, you know, everything was off. We had shut off AC system, no heat on, because it was a summer night. Um, and all the lights were off in the house. We just had everything dark. And uh, my sister and her roommate went back to bed in their separate bedrooms. And I laid back down on the couch. Now, this time I laid down, I closed my eyes maybe a minute. <clears throat> and... Um, this, yeah, you know, I guess they still have these things. I'm not really sure, but there was a switch on the wall that operated the lights and the ceiling fan in the living room, and it was one of the dial switches that you would have to click in manually. So you had to give it a big click, and the lights would come on, and then you could turn the dial right or left to dim or brighten the lights. And there was another little switch beside it that you would just flip up, um, just a normal switch um, to turn on the ceiling fan. So, two separate switches, and uh, I laid down, I closed my eyes again, and the light came on in the living room. You could hear the click, just click, click, and I turned quickly to see who had turned the light on, and nobody was standing there. Um, my dad got up immediately, because he went back to the kitchen, and he was, you know, sitting in a chair in the kitchen. He stood up and came to the light switch, and this is where things got a little strange. You could actually see the dial that dimmed the lights turning left and right, and nobody was touching it. Um, <clears throat> to kind of put this in perspective, my dad was very much, uh, think of George Strait, the country singer. He looked a lot like him. 
uh, was bigger, more muscular. I had uh, been in the military, been a police officer, but very much jeans and cowboy boots kind of guy and, and very rational. I mean, he was never rattled, I don't think, you know, ever. And, uh, I mean, he, he'd been to war. But when he saw that, I, I he was kind of jaw agape and really didn't have a definitive answer for it. And we just kind of stood there and watched the light turn right and left. Um, and we thought, okay, this is really weird. There's got to be some kind of explanation for electrical. It's electrical. Um, so, you know, it was my dad. He's like, it's electrical. That's what it is. And I thought, but how's the knob turning? And he's like, it's electrical. We'll figure it out in the morning. So I went back to lay down for the third time. And this time I just made it to sitting on the middle seat of the couch. Just going to scoot over and lay down. But once I sat on the middle seat, my sister had an old floor model television. And my family had the, everybody in the family had one of these floor model TVs. Um, I don't remember the brand name, but they lasted forever. And it had the big knob on the front that you pulled out and the one dial to turn the, you know, the 12 or 13 stations. But on top of it, she had a, like a cable box. And, uh, you know, the remote worked the cable box, but you'd have to physically, hey, it was 1988, you had to physically turn the TV on. So the TV turned itself on. And at this point, we were getting a little weirded out. Uh, it turned on and there was an evangelical, evan- I don't know, uh, a very religious show on and you know the big ones were like you know the like tammy faye and her husband the bakers and like all those people were the big you know religious people of the day that were on tv but i don't remember the preacher um exactly i just remember it was a sermon it was in a church maybe like a small local church and uh he was just you know talking and preaching and i thought okay that's interesting it's kind of strange well my dad, of course, was immediately back in the living room. And the ceiling fan, the light came back on. And this time the ceiling fan's on with it. And again, the dial's going up and down. So we were a little weirded out by this. And my sister and her roommate had come in because the TV was loud. It was very loud. And uh, they said, what are you guys doing? You know, we said, we're not. And uh, this continued for about, I don't know, 15 seconds after they walked in the living room. And... Uh, I, I went over and I turned the TV off, and uh, everything went dark again. So we turned on our flashlights, and at that point the TV came back on, and uh, it, it started again. And the volume was at max uh, this time. It was something I think at that point my life kind of changed this night because I just really didn't believe in anything until then. And um, the story kind of still gives me chills to talk about it because at this point. I turned the TV off, and I unplugged all the plugs that were plugged in on the wall. There was like two in the socket, and I asked my sister, so is this the TV? And she's like, yeah, just making sure. I unplugged it, and when I unplugged it, you could hear the preacher talking. Except this time, it was like a backwards record. Uh, you heard in the 80s, people would spin records backwards, and they would say odd things. This was just like somebody talking in reverse. Very weird, very scary, very loud. And then, poof, everything went off. Uh, the power quit working in the home. The breaker box blew at that point. And not just a breaker blew, all of them blew. And um, we left. Uh, my sister and her friend came down to our house. We went back home. We got home about, I think this, we probably got home about 5 in the morning. The sun just kind of coming up. Um, or no, it was summer, so I guess 
depending on the hours. Maybe this, it seems like it was daylight though. It's just been, you know, we're in 2022, so it's been a few years since this happened. But after that, um, <clears throat> my sister, she worked for the state. She was a paralegal, and she used to be the secretary for Governor Rockefeller for uh, several years. And she knew some people in uh, the Charleston area and the St. Albans area, the capital city of West Virginia. So she had... Uh, had bought the home for not very much money, but it had been on the market for several years. And she kind of went back in, you know, went back and investigated the home. And apparently a lady that was a, you know, she's into some dark stuff. And then she was a self-proclaimed witch. She made a living doing, doing uh, tarot card readings, I guess, and different things. And people would come to her home. So my, my sister started talking to neighbors. She hadn't lived there very long, you know, maybe eight months. And, uh, you know, she still didn't know everybody in the neighborhood, so she made a point to go door-to-door -door and talk to people. And as the stories came together, they found out that this lady had hung herself from that ceiling fan in the living room. And to this day, even retelling the story, it still is kind of eerie to me, and I get chills. And it's, it's, very, it's, it's a very real thing. And um, so, you know, I kind of call that story the Witch of St. Albans because that's just what it was. And it was uh, very strange. And you felt a tremendous something when all this was going on. It was like a weight on your chest or shoulders. So it was, it was pretty ominous and pretty scary and kind of changed my young life and my views on things at the time. Uh, you know, I wasn't big on higher power and, and ghosts and things, but I, I kind of uh, have a tendency to believe in more and, and look at things more rational now. And... Um, yeah, so that's my story. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, you all take care. Thank you. Thanks to Matt for sharing his story with us. Matt and I continued to talk after he shared this story with us, and he told me two more interesting facts about his sister's story. First, she had also noticed that leading up to this night, things would go missing in her house and turn up in other locations. He also said that after that night, his sister moved out almost immediately, selling the house fully furnished, only taking her personal possessions and her pets. We'll be back after this short break. Do you like podcasts about paranormal investigators or psychic mediums, or maybe even a near-death experience, true crime event, or heck, an ex-cult member? Well, my podcast, Because I Want to Know, might just be right up your alley. Hi, I'm Leslie Fear, and I talk to anyone and everyone who interests me. So it's not always paranormal. It could be a hot air balloon pilot and historic Gettysburg reenactor. I mean, guys, I've even interviewed Mormon cult leader Warren Jeff's 65th wife. So yeah, you can cherry pick my episodes. So come on over to Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist, with my latest being Apollo Sun to be released in January of 2022. So if you or someone you know is a reader, you can check out all my books on Amazon.com. Just look up Leslie Fear. I'm very easy to find. And lastly, I want to thank Jerry and Tracy Polly for getting me started in the podcasting business. Yes, I'm here solely because Jerry said you need to be a podcaster. And guys, I love it. So I can't wait to share my podcast with all of you. And thanks for listening. In tonight's second story, 
longtime friend of the show, Kelly, wrote to me about a bizarre experience that she recently had. In her story, she referenced a previous episode of Serial Spirits that talked about a weird encounter with a census taker. The episode that she makes reference to was part of a limited series that we produced beginning in 2020 called I Am Cold, The Story of Indred, in which we talked about our own research into Mothman, UFOs, and extraterrestrial sightings that began in West Virginia and spread across the nation. If you haven't heard those, I would encourage you to back up and listen. You never know. After that, you might have a creepy encounter to share with us too. Kelly wrote, While catching up and re-listening to some podcasts, I heard you talk of a census taker and it being strange. My husband then reminded me of our creepy census taker. When doing the census, I filled out everything online. A day or two later, we had a guy show up while we were doing yard work. He was very professional, asked a couple of questions, realized that we had already done ours and moved on. Fast forward a few weeks later, I was approached by a lady while returning from a walk. She started asking the same questions and said she couldn't find our completed census. I started noticing some odd things while being interviewed. The biggest was that it was so hot and humid. I was pouring sweat and chugging water. This lady, who had no car in sight, looked cool as a cucumber. Then, partially through the interview, she says, quote, So is Damien still here, or is he in Oak Hill or Anstead? End quote. I immediately got chills. Damien is my stepson, but his legal name is Gary. No one outside family and friends would know to call him Damien. I simply answered that his address was ours. Damien was living with a girlfriend, but never changed his address. A few questions later, she says, quote, What about Erica? Where can we find her? End quote. I asked her to repeat herself, and she did with a creepy smile. Erica is my stepdaughter, who has never had our address. At the time, she was married with two kids and lived on her own. I pretended not to know her address. The rest of the interview was seemingly uneventful, other than I was freaked out. As she was ending the interview, she made a comment to the effect of, I bet you enjoy your trips to Kermit, my hometown. Around this time, I was deep into the I Am Cold episodes and had been researching different stories and accounts of other strange encounters, especially in Appalachia. I was so shook after this, I didn't even notice where the woman walked or where she went. I drank a good amount of wine that evening, lol. My husband was and is convinced that something I looked up bothered someone. I recently got a text about being chosen for a Census Bureau survey. I have since declined. After submitting her story, Kelly told me that she felt like this encounter was the result of research that she was doing on her own online in regards to similar activity and that someone or something was watching. Thanks to everyone for listening this week, and don't forget to send us your scary stories and to meet us in Williamson, West Virginia on August 20th at the Old Hospital on College Hill 
for our event with Jerry and Tracy Polly from Hillbilly Horror Stories. We love you guys and would love to see you there. Thanks to everyone for tuning in to Serial Spirits. Please, if you like what you hear, feel free to rate and review the show. Five stars and some nice words go a long way in the podcasting world, and we appreciate each and every one of you. Until next time, bye-bye.